So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.G. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome, everybody, to Cash Flow to Freedom. I am so excited about today's podcast. I have been thinking about this podcast for a really long time, actually, because I got to give you some background here before we get into uh, today, today's guest. First of all, if you're interested in real estate in any way, this is a must-listen-to podcast. I have a, a, a few people in my life that I call when I need help, when I need favors, when I need knowledge, wisdom, expertise. And today's guest is one of those people. In fact, uh, I asked him to come on when I had called and said, hey, I, I need your help. There's, uh, you know, Brian Murray, Ashley Wilson. Um, she was on the podcast. Brian Murray's going to come on the podcast. Brandon Turner, Tarl, they've all been on or they're coming on the podcast that you may have heard. These people are people that I call when I need help and when I'm trying to grow my business. They come from different walks, different backgrounds, but they are experts in their industry. But most of all, these are, these are good people. Um, they are people that help without asking for anything in return. And they are way too humble, every single one of them, because they're all absolutely crushing it. I say this in the intro and before we get started, because it's, you know, I talk about success is not made on an island. And when I think about all the people in my life that have created any success that I've ever had, you know, it's crazy. It, it takes so many people. Um, and I think that that's the, probably the number one reason why people either can't get started or can't succeed because they think they need to do it. They think they need to know everything. And this is pride. Nobody does. Not Elon Musk. Nobody. You don't know everything. And just because that, that doesn't mean you can't achieve whatever you want. I'm dyslexic. I've got, you know, not a school person, not knowledgeable. Um, and so it's taken a lot of people to help get me to where I want to go. And so everybody take notes um, on this podcast and we'll give you uh, uh, Cole's information at, at the end and everything. But this is going to be a, a, a great podcast. Um, and it's something that I don't know a ton about and he's helping me through. So with that said, we're going to bring him on. Cole, how's it going, man? Good, man. Good, man. I'm excited for this. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited too. You know, we've been talking the last couple of weeks as you've been helping me um, get things set up through my business and improve and, and, and take me to the next, next level. Um, and I, you know, I was talking to, you know, a lot of people lately and we all come to a point in our life where we need, we're, we're trying to get to that next level, whatever that may be. It may be leaving your W2. It may be getting a, a pay increase, right? A pay raise. It may be anything. It may be getting your first investment property. Um, and it, it's the way that that happens is through, through people, good connections, learning, understanding, and knowledge. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, as I've, as, as I've moved forward and, and surrounded myself with really good people, I've re reaped the benefits for it, as I know you have too, as, as well as others. And uh, um, I, I'd mentioned this um, as we were kind of talking through why this is important, right? And what it is. And I was stuck, like in the last six months, you know, I'd been going great and everything. And a lot of my listeners have heard, oh, we're doing this stuff and we're getting moving. And I was stuck. And I kind of want to, real quick, before we get into it, tell where I was stuck at and why we've been having conversations to introduce you. So for me, I had a lot of qualities, but there was a lot of holes that I was missing in our business plan. I needed to grow. I needed to do more. So I started up Cedar Creek that is an, an investment. So we're, we'll, we're actually doing like investments and taking on um, capital and that structure or whatnot as we're buying properties. But um, a lot of the things I didn't have, like deal flow. I didn't have a way to manage investors or hold that out. That, that was something that I'd never had. And so I called Cole and that's what we got started is how do you find a deal? How do you get deals? Who do you know? How do you, how do these people get all these off market deals? Well, you're the guy, like it's, you, you were the first mind. I was literally pondering these problems in bed and I turned to my wife and I'm like, I know exactly who I need to call. Um, so listeners, 
Cole is the man when it comes to finding deals and getting deals and off-market deals. I mean, I'm not even kidding. He's he he's getting real estate deals under contract, and he's not even talk or he's not even meeting these people or seeing the properties. It's incredible. It's a cool thing you're doing. So I'm not trying to. I I just I'm taking your intro, but they got you know you're way too humble. So I gotta I gotta speak for you, man. Here from starting <laughs> out, but it. tell everybody first of all to get started. How old you are? Then second of all. Then you could tell us how, how you got started and why you're doing what you're doing. And then we'll talk about how you're doing it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm uh, thanks for that intro. It was awesome. But I'm, I'm 22. I look I still look 18, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a grown 22 now. Grown man. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, kind of piggybacking on what you just mentioned. Um, I got started just on the acquisition side of real estate because I didn't like being an agent. I don't like being a real estate agent. And. I didn't have a ton of money, didn't really understand a ton. I, you know, I wasn't in a position at 18, 19 years old to go and well, I didn't have the, the, the know-how to go and start raising money and buying deals. And I didn't, want, I didn't want to start flipping at that age. So I was like, what can I do? How can I bring value to people who have money and who are looking for you know, to, to make stuff move um, in the real estate game? And that wasn't being an agent at 18. No one wants you to list their you know, $600,000 house when you're 18 years old. So that wasn't going to work out. So the only thing I could really think of is like bringing deals to these people who had money and who were, who were buying these and then, you know, tacking a little fee on. So that is what I've been doing for the past three years. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's a, that's a short intro. There's, there's more to that. When we say the last three years, let me, let, let, let's, let's talk about this a little here real quick. Cause you're way too humble. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us one of your sales guys last month, how much revenue they brought in to you. This isn't real estate. This isn't the amount of capital, this is what you guys netted that into your organization. Um, in one month, one of your guys, how much was it? So yeah, our, our, our top sales guy, Mike, last month in the month of May brought in um, contracts that are bringing the company 140 grand in, in revenue just by himself, yeah. One guy in your organization. And that is revenue that, in a, I mean, this is a month. Most small businesses you know, that, that's kind of revenue that they're looking at in, you know, a year gross. And they're making, you know, $35,000 off that after expenses and everything is done. I mean, that's incredible. And two, that's not, I mean, how many deals was that? And what, what was the value of those deals? That was, that was about five deals, actually. Um, so, I mean, we had a, we had a $65,000 deal in there. We had a $40,000 deal in there. Uh, we and when had you a, say 65000 is that the cost of the house? No, no, that, that that's was our much, assignment. Yeah, that's that how much assignment. you made. So what was the, like, what are the value, roundabout, I not anything, but like, what are the value of these homes that you, because you guys got these under contract, they're not even on the market. So nobody even saw these things. Yeah, usually it's in between the 100 to 300,000 range. Um, sometimes it'll be four or 500, but uh, most of our, our off-market wholesale deals are, you know, I would say 250 to 350. And this is in... Seattle. Is it okay if I mention that? Okay. Yeah. Right now we're in King Pierce and Homish Thurston counties. For a while, we were all over the place. We were doing deals in Vegas and Portland, um, in St. Louis. Uh, so we, we were we were more nationwide at one point. But right now, yeah, we're just we're super local. Um, it's it's way better. We're, we're making way more money on our marketing spend. We have I feel like we have more control. We know all the players in the market. Uh, we know kind of what it takes to rehab a house here. Versus being spread spread thin, and um, it's kind of a guessing game at that point. So yeah. now everybody's listening to this says, "Okay, well that's great. Well, I don't have the money to buy, you know, five, three, four hundred thousand dollar homes." So before we even get down that road, how much how much money did you put down in all of these houses? Uh, I have not put a dollar down on any of these houses. Nope. That's not true. You can't do that, Cole. Listen, I know these things. You can't. You're. It's just that doesn't work. That I mean. That's a it, literally you buck the trend. Like all the things that people complain about, you didn't have money. You didn't have any way of getting. You didn't even really know that much about real estate. You just knew certain people wanted deals, and you went and figured out how to get it to them without even using your capital. Not you're not you're not putting fifty thousand dollars into a deal. Yeah, nothing. I mean, we got started me and my partner Paul at the time of my mom's pretty much attic in this you know small. Uh, pretty much a closet, just cold calling six hours a day, just handing the phone back and forth. So um, we had no money. I probably had 
my partner actually had, he has a, he had a screenshot of his bank account at the time. He had like negative $10. Um, and I probably had like a grand or two to my name. Um, so no, no money, no money. We, we did our first, our first check was 105 grand split a couple of ways, but we, we got that deal on $200 marketing spend and then no, no earnest money down out of our pocket. And yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's doable. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't seem doable, but it seems kind of like a get rich quick thing where you hear people talking about on, on like a TV ad, Hey, want to flip houses, call this number. Um, but truly it is, it is an awesome business and I love sharing about it because it's a way for anyone to get started in real estate. And now if you wanted though, those off market deals, you, you could keep, you could just buy them, correct? Which I'm starting to get better about for a long time. So many people have told me you have a, you know, you have a three, two, 800, 800, 1800 square foot house in Renton. You know, if you bought this, put 50 grand into it, you'd have 150 grand in equity and you'd be set. But honestly, being young, 1920, I all I wanted to see was checks. I wasn't too, uh, you know, I wasn't thinking about uh, my portfolio or anything like that. So I'm just kind of, since that Maui mastermind last summer, I'm just kind of making the turn to really understand um, the power of keeping that stuff. So uh, that's definitely my next goal is to start keeping most of our deal inventory. Which, you know, that's amazing because probably the number one complaint from people, everyone that we hear is the fact that they don't have deals. Like it's, everybody's like, oh, I'd love to invest, but I, I don't know where to find deals. I mean, that's absolutely the number one where, and you've just got deals coming from everywhere. You got deals all over the place. And this is in a marketplace right now that, I mean, you know, we were talking about this a little, little earlier, which I want to get into people. Right. So I, I mentioned people complaining. I'm, I'm one of those people that were complaining. That's why I called Cole. Um, Cause I'm like, dude, I can't find deals. And you're just deals everywhere. Um, and I needed to solve this problem. And he, you know, when you look at this, at the market cycle that we're in, the government has now just dumped trillions literally into our economy. People already had money and they kept people at a hundred percent. So they didn't let anybody lose money. They are pumping trillions in. There was already trillions sitting in cash and we were all, before any of this even got started, we were in a top tight market. Now we're even tighter. People have pulled deals off. There's fewer deals now than there were five months ago, not because, uh, just because people are unsure. So they, they're taking, taking their houses off the market, things like that. And so it's gotten even tighter with more capital pouring in. There's more demand for real estate. And you have this ginormous population of investors, people that are trying to break into it saying, I just can't. I can't do it now because every deal that comes on on the market and it's a bidding war to where numbers stop making sense. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to make this sound really, really simple uh, for a second. It's a lot of moving. It's a moving target, but to break it down, every single asset type, self-storage, commercial, RV parks, mobile home parks, single family, condos, mobile homes, new development, it all comes down to the whole process starts with deal flow. It doesn't matter how much money you can raise. It doesn't matter how many people you know. If you don't have deal flow, you don't have a business. So, and, and everyone thinks when they meet people like me or other guys who I know that are you know, bringing in a lot of volume, there's this magic fairy that's bringing us deals every morning when we wake up that we can go sell. But it's really, to make it super, super simple, it's about whether you're going to text, cold call, however you want to get in touch with people, it's about doing that every single day. And being super, super consistent. And there are deals there. There's people that own stuff. Um, you know, we all have our issues in our own personal lives with divorces and family members dying, all that kind of stuff. Um, and people go through those, those things. So uh, if, we're, if you're talking to people every single day, you're going to come across people who either have a distressed asset or they, they have some distress in their personal life um, where you can come in and not take advantage of them, but no. be of service to them yeah. and, and provide value. And in return, you're going to make money. Um, while doing that. So that's a, that's a super simple breakdown of what, what we do. We just, we just come in, we offer an easy solution for people who are, who are going through some sort of distress. And, and this is an important piece because, um, you, you know, your service, first of all, in the marketplace um, makes markets work. So anyone that, you know, understands and, I, and I've had conversations about this on like financial institutions like Warren Buffett, things like that. 
they're not taking advantage of anyone. What they're doing is they're providing a market when there's not a market there. So now all of a sudden these people have opportunities, they have options, and they come in and they help them. And this is a, for most people, they don't see this world. This is a whole nother world, right? Like people ask me like, you know, oh, how'd you get, every deal I've ever done has been off market. I, I haven't bought a deal that's been on the market. And I'd say that the vast majority of deals are done that way. The, the, the market for liquidity um, for even the biggest of assets are done not in the public view. Nobody sees this. Nobody knows what's going on. And I think that's why it's frustrating for a lot of people because they say, well, I'm looking at, the, I'm, I'm looking at Zillow, right? And these numbers don't make sense. But then you have people like you who are like, I'm not buying on Zillow. These prices are absurd, right? And it's you, you're creating a market, not even dealing in it. You're creating a market and people come to you. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's, it's, really, it's a really strange concept, especially when people are getting into real estate because they, they don't understand, like you were saying, they don't really understand what's going on behind the curtain. But I, when people bring that up, like, how does that, it doesn't make sense that you're buying stuff mark, off market. I go to, like, when you want a good deal on a car, you're usually not going to a dealership. If you are going to a dealership, you're calling your buddy, you know, that works at a dealership. Yep. And then knows the whole back end of the dealership. Otherwise, you're going direct to the seller. You're going directly to a seller who needs to get rid of a car or a boat or a jet ski, whatever you want to buy. And you're getting, you know, you're getting some equity there for buying directly through them because they have an issue. Um, so it's really the same thing as, as you going on offer up to buy a, a, a ATV that you want for your cabin. It's the same exact thing as going, you want to flip a house, you're going direct to seller on, on, a, on a real estate side and, and getting a little equity built in for yourself because you know, you're making it super easy for them. So yeah. And how many people have ever bought a motorcycle or something like that, where it was their neighbors, they're not riding. They're like, Hey, I'll buy it from you. I mean, mountain bikes, everything else. And they're like, awesome. Thanks. I'm not using this anymore. Exactly. It's sitting in my garage. I don't need it. Yeah. Exactly. I don't want it. I don't need it. And it's interesting because, you know, when I was talking to a, a gentleman who was like, well, you're buying them off market. That's not fair. And I was like, what? That like, first of all, when it's on market, that's what's really not fair because now there's all these factors that nobody knows. And two, you're, you're just maximizing price, not value. And when we do, uh, and the reason you got to understand in the seller's mind, you know, why when Cole comes in, this is awesome. So when, perfect example is when I buy um, a storage facility, right? Or a homeowner, if I want to put that deal on the market, right, I, I just put my home on the market because I'm trying to maximize the price, right? I'm not doing it off market. And whoever buys my home, they're buying it because they just love it. They're not getting a deal, right? Yeah, they're, <laughs> so, they're, not, they're not worried about making money on it. No, they're, they're not I mean, worried about making money on it. It's just, this is gone. But for most sellers, you know, it, once again, my home, it's a nightmare putting it on the market. And if you have a home and you're struggling anyways, you have to fix it up. You have to make it look nice. You got to deal with realtors. Then you got to have showings. You got to have offerings. It, it, it's it, to a lot of people, it's really not even a feasible process. Yeah. I mean, if you were going to, I'll give you an example. Say if you had one of your, I don't know how, what's the average, like what's, what's, a, what's an average sale price for a, if you were going to sell one of your mobile home parks? Probably eight to 15 million. Okay. Say, so say you have a $15 million mobile home park and you're going to sell it. Say, say you're a normal seller. It needs a bunch of work. You don't want to do it. You don't want to. And I come to you and say, okay, you can put this in the market for 15 million. You're going to walk away with after, I don't know what kind of fees are involved in that sale, but I'm assuming there's fees a lot. to the seller. So mm -hmm. you're going to walk away with 13 and a half, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come in, I'm going to pay you 13 and you don't have to do any of that. Like, what do you, like, yeah. what, no do you what are you, yeah. What do you, you're probably going to go with 13. Yep. And, um, and, and not, two. Yeah. You bring a really good point when you're dealing in, especially these larger assets, they have employees. So when, when we're buying facilities, they're like, you can't tell my employee, you can't talk to them because they're yep. like, I'll lose my workers. So Same thing with rentals, yep. exactly. So all of a sudden they're like, you can't tell my renters, I'm going to lose renters and everything. So they don't want anyone to know. And so they can't put it on the market. Yep, exactly. A lot of our deal flow, a lot of our deal flow is landlords who have tenants in place and don't want to deal with them. They've known this. They've known their their guy for thirty years who lives there. They don't want to break his heart. They don't want to be a victim. And they say, "Can you buy this from me? I understand. I'm taking. You know, I'm, I'm giving away some equity, but I don't want to deal with this tenant. Yes. Be nice to him. And we, of course, we're not kicking him out. A lot. No. We do something called we do something called cash for keys, which is when we buy a house with tenants in, we'll offer them. Like I just did a deal um, 
with Carl and Lacey, and I paid the guy four grand to leave. So pretty good deal because you can go get a new place with that four grand and everyone's happy. So exactly what you're saying. I mean, I think that's with everything people don't want to disturb. For them to, you know, notify every single employee. Employees get scared. They start worrying about their livelihood. They start worrying about they're going to go to pay their bills. The new guy is a new guy in town mean. Um, and it's just a mess. So 100%. There's a lot of people see, hey, you're just, you're kind of, you know, ripping these people off a little bit. But there's so much. Not at all getting, true. There's so much they're getting back in return. Like we, we just got a testimonial on a deal we just closed. And it, the guy was hardcore craziness because he had, he came to work one day. Someone had COVID in his office. He was like, I'm done with this. I'm too old to be working here just to risk my life. Next, next week, in seven days, he had his money and he was in Minnesota. So you can't do that on the market. No, you can't. Well, and it's the same thing that like, I remember after the financial crisis, right? Warren Buffett, you know, came in in 2009 and 10 and bought everything, like every company on his son. And all these people were like, dude, you are a bottom feeder. You're taking advantage of these companies. You're screwing them. But then if you ask the companies, they're sitting here going, it was him or bankruptcy. I was dealing with a bank. I couldn't take it out to the market. There wasn't a market to take it out to. So it's interesting how people perceive things, but yet the people that are involved are like, no, this, look, to them, Warren Buffett was literally a godsend. In fact, he had people calling him up, begging him to buy them. And he was like, I'm, I'm sorry, it just doesn't fit our criteria. And that's what most of the market really is. Most of the market, even if you look at like publicly, uh, public markets, the stock market is nothing compared to the debt market, which nobody knows anything about. The stock market is, I don't even know how much, but the debt market's easily, you know, three to six times the size of what it is. And that's where all the deals are really being done, right? It's on not a public forum because the process to get investments to retail investors, we, you have to go through laws you have to go through all of these regulations. You have to hire licensed people. It's so expensive that when the retail investors get those investments like stocks, right, or something off the MLS, value has been completely extracted out of them. Because just to get it there, they had to pay everybody, you know, all this money. So then the buyers and the sellers have now had a nightmare of a time. And the, the value's gone. And they may get the same price that they would have gotten, like you said, off market, but kept friends and their life. It wouldn't have been a hassle. So it off market deals is about solving problems. And you do a good job of that. Yeah. And I mean, the, the basics of it is I look at, you know, the clothes we wear, the shoes we wear, all that stuff is it's a bunch of cheap materials that are sent to a place where labor is cheap, put together for a couple bucks, sold to us for hundreds. Um, and that's, that's the basics of our economy. I mean, it's, you make, everyone makes the money in the middle between how low can I get something on this end? Even if you're an employee, everything's a negotiation. When you walk in to get hired, no matter how much experience you have, they are going to give you the least amount of money possible to justify what you bring them, no matter what they're not paying you. They're not paying you as much. They're just saying, how little can I pay this person and keep them here and extract as much value out of them as possible? And it's the same thing across our, our whole economy. So when people bring that up to me, the, I mean, even when I first got into this, even my mom, who's an awesome, she's a residential agent. I love her. She's awesome, super supportive. But even she was like, this seems a little like slimy a little bit because you're going and taking, you know, equity out of homes. But I'm like, look at our whole economy, how everything functions. It's not just about money. It's about what are, what are they getting in return? It's ease of process. It's they can sleep at night. It's stress. There's so many different variables that go into a deal, whether it's a car a boat, a house, uh, self-storage than just uh, money. You know, it. look at Blackstone. So Blackstone is the largest residential homeowner of private homes that we all live in. In fact, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm sure at this point right now, for all of you that are listening to this podcast, there's probably a handful of you that are renting homes that are owned by the largest private equity company. Your individual house, your, your 1,500 square foot house that you're living in is owned by them. And what happened was, if you actually look at the numbers, Blackstone is credited to being one of the major market savers for homes. Because after the recession, 
there was no buyers. Individuals couldn't buy. Banks froze. Blackstone came and bought thousands and thousands and thousands of homes, fixed them up, and put good renters into them. And that appreciated all the values around the neighborhood. It made them all better. Everybody got wealthier. And it stopped the bleeding. And they went in and they were buying hundreds a day houses. And they were, you know, they had this system lined up and everything. But they, what they did is they created a floor to the market. Well, for everyone that sold their house to BlackRock, they saved them. And for every investor, for everything, and all the neighbors, they saved them because they stopped the falling house prices, which mean there became a floor on the home value of theirs, which allowed them to hopefully stay and keep owning their home. And so when you look, you know, I, I, I just, it's so interesting because that perception could not be more wrong. Um, in fact, it's the after mark that I view when people are the retail investors, you're actually the ones that it's, you're kind of getting the raw end of the deal. You're not yep. getting the good deal. I get a good deal. I mean, you look at all the wealthy, wealthy, wealthy people in our country, most of the, what they're trading, they're calling their buddy saying, Hey, I have this, I don't want it anymore. Do you want it? And that's how stuff moves around. You know, our, our economy. I, I see it more and more now that I'm in this, every, every, every industry I look at now is the same exact process from, you know, you know, truck drivers who are driving cross country, what's in their truck. It, it's, it's everywhere. It's the same exact process. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's pulling back the curtains and a lot, and a lot of people, we just don't realize you watch news or social media, things like that. And one of the main reasons that, and people are like, well, hold on this, there's this huge market, you know, and they, it's it's hard to understand, but one of the reasons why it's not, you know, clearly evident is how the laws in the United States work. And I have a big problem with this because uh, the laws state that accredited investors can see what are considered um, alternative assets, right? But if you're a non-accredited investor, you can't join people's funds and you can't do anything because the government has decided that you are not intelligent enough to make a safe decision. That's literally what they say. That's the rules. Whenever I see people posting and like, raising money for their fund, talking about accredited investors, I'm like, that's exactly, you're just labeling, you have X amount of money, so you must be smart enough to yeah. go and play, play with the money. And you're not, so you have to sit home and just keep saving. Keep saving until you have- Put it in the stock an- market. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the I only thing you can do. I think it's more about having control over where people are putting their money. That's what I mean. It's all about I'd agree. The government wants to control where the money flows and they want it in public markets, not the private markets that all the accredited or wealthy people play in. And wealthy people, that's how they play. They get stock options, offerings. They get off-market deals. But the thing about it is, say everybody's like, oh, great. I'm not a credit investor. I can never do this. That's not true. What it means, though, is that uh, if you're not an accredited investor, you can't be marketed to by guys raising capital. So that just means you can't, you don't see the deals open, right? But it does mean you can do exactly what they're doing and go get off-market deals. When Cole started, he wasn't an accredited investor. He was, oh, a not a good, yeah. <laughs> he was you know, still living at home and, you know, trying to, you know, just... I was barely, I was barely an accredited grocery buyer. Exactly. Exactly. And you went and you said, listen, I see the demand. I see the need. And so you went in and and just called people up because anybody, like if you want to invest in a storage facility, right? You can do it. The government can't stop you from doing those things, but they can stop people that own and get money and funds to tell you about them. So that means you need to do the work. You need to go direct. You need to go find. You need to uh, discover. You need to learn. And you may not be able to put your money with other people's money that are credit investors, but there's other avenues, but you got to work for it. And the beautiful, beautiful thing about that is, you know, if they, if they really want to own a, you know, a apartment complex in their in local County, but they, you know, they don't have the money, they're not an accredited investor, the bank's not going to loan them. What they can do, you can go find a deal and you can go to a networking event and there's going to be somewhere there, someone there at your local, you know, real estate meetup that will buy that deal and will build you in equity. A hundred percent because I, in, the, in the economy we're in right now, deals, it'll, it'll change again. But right now deals are hard to find. And, dude, dude um, this is everybody rewind that, go back and listen to it. This is probably the most important thing to say. I, you know, I'd mentioned you too in my inner circle with um, my self storage group. I, you know, we call and I'm talking guys, you're finding these deals because they're out talking to owners or whatnot. 
but some of these deals aren't in the price range, so they're just walking away. And I'm like, if you have a deal, it doesn't matter what the price is. It could be $50 million. You can find the money, and you can get equity. Once you have the deal, you have what everybody wants. So I'm like, people are like, oh, that's too expensive for me. I'm like, money's not the problem. That can be solved. You can figure all that out. If you have the deal, you control it, and you have the say. There's people that build their whole careers doing kind of what we're talking about. I know, but I was in Arizona like two weeks ago, and um, my buddy down there was telling me about one of his friends that's it's like 25, 26 in Washington, D.C., and he wanted to be a developer. At 23, he's like, I'm going to be a developer. But, you know, you don't have money. You, I mean, it, it's really hard to go do. And I'm not talking like single family. I'm talking if you wanted to build apartment buildings and commercial buildings. And so so he took um, he took his idea and he's like, I'm just going to find He found a deal, brought it to a developer, said, hey, here's a deal. I want half of the back end profit. And he got it. And he's done it again and again and again and again. And you can build a portfolio and a lot of cool things off of just you know, putting the front end work in and bringing deals to people. I've had two people, right? Three, I'm three people right now brought deals to me. They're under contract and we gave them equity in the deal because they brought the deal. And so now they're, they could have never done it by themselves. They're going to never anything. And I'm going to do the work. It's going to be me. that's going to do it. But because you're you're happy to do it, right? Happy to do it. Yeah. 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 I'm like, Great. I mean, you got to, you got to think if, so perfect example is the deal that we're closing on next month. It's an off market deal with huge value upside. So when I look at an investment, right. And you know, I'm looking at a 20% return plus like that's my minimum. I don't, you know, cash on cash, not IRR, right. I, I need to be able to build it up, stabilize it, get paid that, which then in return creates massive equity that I can refinance, pull my investment out and, and move on. But for, so for me, I got to get these deals. I had a guy that brought me this amazing deal with amazing upside, right? I'm looking at it going, man, I'm going to blow that number out of the water. I don't have to pay a realtor. I don't have to pay any of these things. So his equity is built in. It's already there. And so he gets it and we're, we're giving it to him. And it's like, okay, he's getting what other five or 10%, depending on how he works doing, he doesn't even need to do anything. And he's going to get five to 10% in an asset that when in two years after I'm done with, it, it's going to be worth over $10 million and have equity of like four or five, that five, 10% is a lot. And I think people listening, you guys got to really put like really rewind that and like listen to that over and over and over again until it really sticks that you can build an equity even that word equity kind of scares people. Like, what does that mean? And like, how am I getting paid? Pretty much what he's saying, like, I'll give an example. I wanted to get into flipping. So I brought a deal to um, a buddy and I said, I want to, I want to, you know, I don't want to wholesale this one. I want to flip this one. And instead of paying me my fee up front, I, I went, I went through the whole deal with him and I got paid 50% on the back end. So what AJ is talking about, what I'm talking about is you can, it doesn't matter the deal, what the deal size, how much money is needed. If you can put in the time to find something someone wants, some assets someone wants it doesn't have to be real estate. You can build in long-term equity for yourself, which is just saying that you are a part of the deal, not for the next month. You are a part of that deal. You are a part of the upside. You're part of the whole the whole nine, and not just a, a quick fee up front. So I think that's very powerful, and I think that right there is enough for. I mean, if someone did one, brought you one deal, and did that, that's enough to kickstart their whole career. So, I mean, because not only not only are you part of the deal, but now you can call AJ because you're invested, you're part of one of those deals. Hey, AJ, I have a question about this other deal. And he's going to pick up the phone. Um, so, I, I, I what? Can't yeah, the, exactly. And and we've hit on a really obviously we're both very passionate about this because it's a hack. You don't need money. You don't need those things. You can go do it. And what you're doing is you're putting yourself at the table, right? Like don't don't wait for the table to come to you. And that's what retail investors do. I'll, I'll wait and I'll guess I'll buy a stock or if a house comes on the market, I'll buy it. But you know, people that are wealthy, real investors, they just go grab a chair, walk up to the table and they sit down with everybody. And they say, but in order to sit down, you got to bring something to the table, right? This is a buffet here. Everybody wants to eat and we all have to share. If you're not bringing something to the table, they're going to kick you off the table. But if you bring something to the table, you're going to sit down with the best and they're happy to have you. And that's exactly what Cole did. He had nothing. He thought, there's this big old table. They're having a party. I can see it over there. 
They're all fat and happy. And they're all going to Maui. <laughs> exactly. They're all going to Maui. And he's like, I want to go. I want to be there. So what did he do? He figured out what everybody at the table liked to eat, and he brought it to him. And he did it with no money. And he did it based upon just work and figuring it out. He didn't have a background, anything else like that. And then he came to the table and the amount of value he provided was, you know, it was huge to people. And then he figured out how to scale that value and created a huge business out of it in a very short period of time. And I I think that's what I like so much about your story is that it's simple. You figured out what people wanted. It wasn't easy. And you are incredibly intelligent, so you, you did really well with it. But at, at its core, the reason you were successful was because you brought something to people that was value. And that's entrepreneurship well, that's, and investing. Yeah, that's a, that's a perfect way of putting it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do anything that is that out of far of like, I mean, it's, we do it every day. We, have, we negotiate every single day. I mean, we go to, I mean, everyone loves going down to like Mexico and negotiate on the beach for, you know, getting a $15 pair of sunglasses for seven bucks. It's the same exact thing. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it. And I think too, to extrapolate on how, if you look at Cole and how his business and how his life's played out and everything, you know, I was, in, I got in touch with Cole through a mastermind. So we're, you know, network is everything in, in every, every wealthy person knows People bring value, they bring deals. The economy is just made up of people, nothing else. Money is nothing. Money doesn't even, it's not even real. It's people. And so your network be, yeah, I hate saying this, but your network becomes <laughs> your net worth. Yes, every, every time I'm on Instagram, it's like picture after picture after. Yeah. Net. It's so true. It's, uh, I mean. It is. It's, it's, it's a corny line, but it's true. <laughs> and you, you did it. You, you went to Ma- Maui, right? So you, you, went, you went to Maui. And then, you know, I was talking to you and you just had so much value um, and that I'm lying at night thinking, geez, I need help. I need that person. Right. And you were the one that came to my mind, but you did it. Right. So Cole brought value to other people. He got a seat at the table. And then when he was at the table, he kept bringing value. And now um, I've, I've had James on the podcast too. To James is another person that I, I, I call and um, when I need help. Love it. I love that guy. Yeah. James is amazing. Anyone that hasn't listened uh, either uh, to our podcast or no, you need to reach out to him. And, you know, this network of people, like I mentioned at the first that I have surrounding, you know, Cole, Cole was one of them. And it was because of the value he provides. It has nothing to do with who he is. It doesn't have anything to do with where he came from. It has nothing to do with how much money he has. And that's things that people don't understand about the wealthy. It's not about the money. It's about the value. Yeah. I mean, it's about getting, like you were saying, it's about getting the seat at the table and then, yeah, everyone's friends after that point, but you know, it's, you gotta, you gotta get there first. You know, it's a, uh, yeah, hundred, hundred percent network is, is everything. I mean, I've done deals in some, somewhat, uh, I think most people from that mastermind, I mean, I've done deals with James, Tarl, Charles, and a few others and yeah i mean it's get out there i mean i mean take the time energy and money to go network and meet people for sure no matter what stage you're at whatever you can afford i mean if you can if you only can pay 20 bucks to go to your local meetup cool do it do it every single week because um you know there's relationships there that will you know mutually you'll mutually benefit from and now walk us back through your we got to get back into your story here. We, me and you got excited and, and I start talking. I you got tangent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but so to go back to your story. You, you, you're, you started, how'd you get started? Who did you meet and how did you find the deals? Good question. So I met, I first met, I was, I was licensed at it for a while and I didn't like it. And I, I went one night late with my mom. I don't know if you know Ian Morrell um, from up here in the Pacific Northwest, but he runs a company like super similar to James's where they have an off market side, an agent side. Um, the lending side, awesome guy, awesome team there. So I hung my license there after going to one of their, they have these like auction nights where they, they investors come in every Tuesday night and they get shown deals from the auction and they, then caliber goes with the name of Ian's company. They go the next day and they, they lock them up for you and they make their fee on that. So, um, 
different way of doing the business that I'm in. Um, so I, that's first heard about it. I was sitting in Caliber. I was like, what is this? How are these guys making money? What are they doing? It's like, they don't even seem like they really work. What's going on here? Is this, like, is this illegal? Um, all the normal questions. And that sparked my initial interest. And from there, it was just a lot of YouTube, a lot of Google, you know, normal stuff. Um, and then I was, dri- I was driving for dollars, which pretty much just means you're trying to find, you know, damaged houses to put offers on. But I was driving around like Medina and Clyde Hill, where you know, everything's like $10 million and just kind of kept messing up. And then from there, uh, I did a first deal. My mom bought us a deal. Uh, we were able to wholesale. That was our first big check. And from there, we were able to, you know. Did you put I, money I, into that deal? No, no, no. no, yeah. no. So that was just the deal she brought me. I just wholesaled it. You know, I had a, a little chunk of change after that. And instead of going to buy a car or some clothes, I just decided that I remember right after I got that check, it hit me hard. Like, okay, cool. One deal done. How do I turn this into an actual business? So from there, it was just trial and error. We hired one cold caller and we kept doing deals. We hired another. We hired an in-office sales manager. Dude, when I was 19, I signed a three-year lease personally guaranteed for four grand a month for an office. So I mean, I was just rolling and like, what, either this is going to work or yep. <laughs> it's not, but I, I went all in and uh, from there, it's honestly, it's just tweaking processes, it's tweaking uh, workflows, it's hiring and firing, it's losing, it's more losing money than making money for, you know, most of the time. But yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not a pretty journey. It's not simple. It's not like I'm some extremely smart, like standout guy. It's just that I, I, mean, I think the only reason that I am where I am. I just stuck to it every single day, no matter what. And that's a lot of credit to my my family, kind of how I was brought up. I was never told, like, get a job, do this, do that. It was always, you know, when I wanted, the first time I wanted to make money, mom was not like, go get a job. She's like, go, like, I was super into basketball. She's like, go train some kids. And I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. I can just go, I'm already good at that. Why not just go use that skill and make money off that? So I got, I got lucky in a lot of ways, um, but pretty much more of my story is just sticking to it, being nice to as many people as possible. Um, networking and showing up every single day. You know, one of the things I, I, I love, I get so excited about entrepreneurship. It's, it's so exciting. It's so fun because you take a basic principle of value that you're going to give or deploy to people, right? You then have to figure out and you have to build out a system to deploy that value at scale, none of which you knew, but you did know there's demand here. There's an opportunity, right? And then the hard work begins. And for a lot of people, even in real estate things, I think you got to realize that there is this aspect of jumping out and building a plane while you're falling. And it's it is, if your premise is correct and it's based upon value that other people want, you can figure it out, right? You can build the plane on the way down and you, you, you have time and because you don't need to know that stuff before. In fact, you can't because you don't know what the end product will be. It's only by doing that you figure it out because it's entrepreneurship is a creation process. And, uh, you know, you, you got started, you went all in, but you used your capital so you could build. And then you created a system uh, that could repeat a process again and again and again. And then that's, and then you scaled it up right? So you started hiring more, you started getting your connections out. And that's a great question. So when you got these deals, how are you, how are you taking them to market? Like who, who are you picking and how'd you find these people that wanted these deals? Like, so I'm a lot of people in the same industry as me would be kind of mad at me, but like, I honestly just sell deals to people I like. Like I'm not really, I might miss five grand here, 10 grand there on, on a deal, but like, it's so much more fun to call Carl or James or other guys I know in the area that I like working with and selling them a deal than, you know, just blasting out to every single person in the area. Um, so I, I really like that kind of personal um, feel. Um, and and, it, and it ben- it's benefited me because when, when we have these downturns, like even this one's kind of temporary, when, when all the hard money's pulled out of the market and a lot of the normal investors aren't buying, it's, that, it's the same phone call because those guys are real players and they're still buying. Um, so that's how I go. Everyone goes about that differently, but I love working with people that I like that I enjoy being on the phone with. It's so much easier and so much more fluid and uh, more confident in my sales guys. I'm more confident that deal is going to get to close and we're going to get paid um, and it's going to be more fun for everyone. So there's, there's tons of strategies to maximize 
profit in terms of, you know, creating bidding wars, sending out, doing massive open houses and having a bunch of people come through the house, but we don't do any of that. Um, we pretty much, I text three or four guys, first one that says, hey, I'll take it, deal's done. This is a good point, because we, we were talking about this a, a, a little uh, before, and when I, I look at what's going on in, in the world right now, and um, really, when you look, most opportunity is found when people are distracted by whatever it is. It's not, I'm not talking about right now, I'm just saying in general. They're distracted, and when the masses get distracted, when the masses are not, you know, doing business, everything, the room clears up fast, and that leaves only a few players standing around saying, I'm still going, I'm not distracted, I'm still working, and they get all the opportunity. Um, I've been busier in the last three months than I've ever been, and the main reason was, was just because the marketplace started to get empty, and I was just sitting there, so people started calling. And we started getting deals and we started, you know, it's, it, it has, it, it's, it's an interesting because it's this idea of being, doing contrary to what the masses are. The masses have to buy retail investments. You want to get good deals. You got to go do the hard work and call people like you did, right? You got to say, listen, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to stick to what I know, what I'm learning, pay attention, and then opportunities come up from it. And I, like you, like me, I can't tell you how many people that are active, they're not going away. They're not doing this part of the way. Deals, money, and everything has consolidated around them. And yeah, I, think, I, think, I think now is a perfect time to get into it too, because you can clearly see who's the real, who are the real players. Yes. Um, and you know who to work with. Because, you know, you go back six months last, like end of last summer, last spring, Anyone, anyone could come in and get a hard money loan and buy a house. Anyone, and, and you could you can make money on it. Massive appreciation, like everyone. But now it's, you know, what's that quote? Like you don't know who's swimming naked until the tide comes in. Um, and so I think right now we're getting we're getting to actually see who had their stuff buttoned up, who was on the ball, um, who was just talking to talk, and who was who do you want to work with long term? So I think now it's a perfect time to uh, build strategic partnerships with. You're um, you're exactly players. right. It, it, I. We talk about this all the time. It's funny how times like this show people's true colors, right? It shows where, besides just what they're saying stuff, who they are at their core, right? And if they're consistent, if they're, you know, reliable, if they are focused on what they're doing. And when you look at what's going on in the marketplace, this is an amazing opportunity to search out and look at these people that are active, right? They're not just talking because all those people are gone. And you can really determine quality, which is really hard when markets are hot. It's really hard to figure out who's real and who's just posting pictures on Instagram of a Ferrari. And it confuses people, right? But the problem is, is during times like this, nobody's looking anymore to see who the real players are. And that's why they're there. That's why Joe's up. And the few that actually look um, and say, I'm not going to let the world dictate my circumstances. I am, and I'm going to change my circumstances. They're the ones to get opportunity. And, and this is just like you, right? When you started out, it wasn't lying in front of you. You had to create it. And it, you just had to go out and get it done. And how yeah. many deals do you do? Oh, man. It's, it's, it goes up and down. So we were in all these different markets, like St. Louis. We were doing a lot more, but like, I think last May we did like five, four, five. I, I really like the four, five, six deal month number. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't want a massive team again. Like we, we scaled down drastically just because it was taking a toll on me, my health, um, having, you know, a 10, 11 person team. And, you know, you can systemize a lot of this business, but there's still a lot of moving parts. So, I mean, I think you don't, you don't like, we don't need more than two or three sales guys and an operations transaction manager to do the numbers you want to hit of 150, 200 grand um, in revenue a month. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm re I kind of the last couple of months had split with my partner and kind of even rebuilding everything to be more lean. Um, and it's just, it's just more fun, um, less stress, less overhead. So I definitely, I'm glad I went the, you know, full steam ahead, you know, uh, do as many checks as possible, have massive overhead. I'm glad I, I learned so many lessons through that, but, um, it humbled me extremely. So I'm, I learned the lesson the hard way that 
uh, sometimes less is more. Yeah, that is, you know, it's, it's interesting to see as businesses go through the cycles and especially starting out and you have to move and pivot and contract and expand. It, it is a moving target. And that's, you need to realize that investing business, it's, it's always changing. It's always moving. And if you're not adapting, you get, you get left behind very quickly and, or you can destroy what you built, right? You can extend yourself. And, and we, we almost got there a few times just because we were so, so like grow, 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 extend, extend, extend. That, I mean, you put out 50, 60 grand in marketing a month and I mean, there's only so many months you can, if, if you don't get a return from that, which is, I mean, we can do everything we can, but there's still slower months, then it, it can get it, it can get iffy. So yeah, that's, that was a great lesson, but to everyone starting out, don't be scared by that at all. It's, I mean, even if someone tries to get into this, they fail or they never do a deal, they're going to meet people and they're going to, they're going to learn skills that they're going to have the rest of their life. Even if they just do a hundred cold calls the next time, the next job they have, where they have to pick up the phone and like, Oh, this is easy. Um, so it's not necessarily about you have to win, you have to be the next best investor. It's just about you know building skill. Whatever whatever you do, you're going to build skills where the next opportunity you have, you're going to be more prepared. So, um, well, and that's how you you identify. Like when you started out, right? You were like, do I do real estate or do or not? But by going down the path, you figured out I don't like this. I do like this, and there's an opportunity here, even though that wasn't what you were originally set out to do. But you started and you got moving. And that's the key. That's the key. Because then once you have capital, you can start playing in those other arenas that you don't love, but you see opportunity in and you know how to extract it. Like, uh, I know you mentioned you're buying businesses and stuff. A lot of these, you probably don't love every single business model that you buy, but it's, it's just, you know how to go and extract the value out of that company. And now you have the resources and business skills to do it. But you had, what was, what was your first, what was your first hit? Like, what was your first, in terms of business, what was that first business that you had that allowed you to start doing that? So for us, it was insurance. I was sales. So like, you know, you have a sales company and I was in, in sales and, um, that's what started. And just like you said, you know, I was making, it was cold calling. I was on commissions, but I, I liked it. And I thought, well, I went through at first I got fired from my first job because I was a, like a, I was a glorified secretary that sat at the front and was supposed to process claims. I didn't get fired. They, they said, we are changing your role, which meant they, you know, they were like, AJ, you suck at this job. And I did. I was the <laughs> worst. Like yeah. the worst. And uh, um, so then they put me in a sales role. And I like that. And then sales allowed me to change my circumstances, right? And it allowed me to be in control of my income, which I liked. And then that gave me the ability to start. Now, once again, I, got, I was fired a lot. And I got told, you know, when you're in sales, you get told no all the time. And then when you get a client, they fire you. So I got very used to being fired, getting clients, going through the cycles, right? But that led me to understanding other asset types and businesses that were better suited for long-term. And then we started going down those avenues. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's a good point too, is how sales lets you kind of, I think a sales job, a lot of people are scared by it, but it lets you pivot. It lets you pivot and point your life in whatever direction you want to go because you have control. And the, the biggest thing in our economy is some sort of control. I mean, it, if you don't have control, you're being completely controlled by someone else. And especially the economy we're heading into, I mean, it's going to be a lot harder to get those great paying normal jobs. I feel like it's going to be a lot more in and out or kind of creating your own income. So I think it's, uh, if you can, it's a great risk to take to do a sales job, even if you hate it, just for a little while to get good at talking to people, just understand a little more about economics and business and sales cycles and um, it all builds on, on itself. Well, and you see where where the money comes from. And that's in, obviously entrepreneurship, business, investing, anything like that. Understanding where the money's going to come from. And that sells. I don't care if it's online sales. I don't care if it's in person. I don't care if it's calling, knocking doors, business to business. The sales is the extraction of money. It's the changing hands of money. And I've always said, you know, listen, you may not, you don't need to like sales, but you definitely need to understand it and you definitely need to get the value of it. And you need to bring in people that then can go do those things because without it, you have no revenue. And uh, that could be in the form of Facebook ads, but it's, that's a sales process that you're paying Facebook for, right? So no matter what, it's still a sales process. And that's just the process of capital exchanging hands. 
And it's so important. I, I agree. I think everyone needs to play a role in sales. You may totally hate it, but it'll open up your eyes. You'll see more of a business side that you may not see. And two, like you said, this is important. I agree. I think the economy is going to get harder because entry-level positions are being replaced by technology. And so all of a sudden, it's harder to get in the door, right? Like my claims processing slash secretary job, which all that meant was I printed off on a fax. I looked at it. I put the policyholders number. I put it in a box they had outlined or whatnot. And I still screwed it up. But that, that, that allowed me to get and start to learn sales because they said, you know, they fired me there and hired me up. You, you got your foot in the door. Yeah, I got my foot in the door. That, that position doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't even exist. Which I think is so key. Any, like any, anytime someone sees people who have gotten a certain level of success like you or like different investors, they're like, they don't see the middle ground between where they are now and where they, where they were. So you don't understand that it wasn't just boom, start making money. It's you getting your foot in the door somewhere. You fail there. You meet one person there that gives you this opportunity. You meet a person there that introduces you to that guy who then gives you an opportunity, who becomes your mentor. So there's so many different so variables many in everyone's journey. So that, that excites me because, I mean, everyone's – that's why I love doing stuff like this because everyone's journey is so much different to get where they're at. And it helps to get it out there so people can see that, okay, it's not all roses the whole time. And there's, I feel like you have to go through that process of it sucking for a while to really build the scales that you need to thrive. And two, it shows also your so what you said right there. I, I I love there is no one path. It it doesn't exist. And once you realize that, the excuses of I don't have or I'm not go away because neither are they. And they you know that's not. It's just not how it works, right? Because entrepreneurship, things like that, investing, it's all about value. And even if you have money, you can lose it really quick. Nobody cares. So it, it's, it's really about you finding and going along that process, struggling, learning, just like everybody else did or has to. No, that's I think awesome. It's, it's worthwhile because now when you see, I have family friends who are, um, you know, nurses that are getting laid off. So there's no secure, there's no secure job. Like that's the thing. There's no, our economy and country is, is more fragile than people realize. So I, I always urge people do whatever you can to get some sort of control over your your income and your life and your freedoms and your personal like your personal space you don't want to be have that controlled by other people because i mean there's no such thing as a secure job we found that out right now no matter where you are how long you've been there when money gets tight it does not matter it's a you're an equation at that point that that point is so important because i was very confused on that earlier in my life because like would and it's the reason i started investing in storage and other things because i had a sales job and I thought that meant that I was my own boss and there was this. But the problem was, was my, I didn't own the revenue. I didn't control it at all. That was all my clients. And they fire, could fire me at any time, and they did. And then I ended up in the hospital. I couldn't work. All my clients obviously were gone. I, can't, I, couldn't, I couldn't work. And then I realized, geez, I didn't control that at all. I had no control over that. I didn't own the revenue. It's gone now. And if it wasn't for the investing, it would have been starting from scratch all over again with four kids and trying to make it work and losing everything. So you're exactly right. It's about controlling the revenue and the process in which income comes to you. I love that. It doesn't have to be direct control. I think we spend a lot of time talking about working your way into equity positions. That, that That's the same thing. That's control. Yeah. So you're an ownership. Yeah, an ownership of some something in some way. Um, it's legal rights and the legal rights equal control. Dude, this has been... Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Anybody wanting to get a hold of you, um, we want them to email you, investors, anybody that's looking at getting started that you know wants to advise, please, please reach out to Cole. You can find me on Instagram, just Cole Rude Johnson, R-U-U-D, no spaces. And then my email is Cole at hellopad.com, H-E-L-L-O pad. I'm super responsive on email. Uh, and a little bit on Instagram too, but more email. <laughs> we'll put it. We'll put it on in, in the show notes too, everybody, so you can find it. But thanks again, man, for coming on and all. I take it up, you know, so much of your morning, but I really do appreciate it. I appreciate. It. Thanks for having me on. Super fun. Absolutely, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more, and feel free to check us out at cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook 
And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.